Welcome to the latest program, Bound to Context. I'm your host, Ryan Shravin. Today I have with me Ida Pierce. Welcome to the program, Ida. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, my, so Ida, you're a manager of process and solutions at Markel's Finance Organization. You're also sort of a lifelong creative uh, um, you know, designer and creative problem solver. Tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, for 20 years now, I have um, clearly since I was three um, have been just (laughs) building my career around um, people, process and products. And so I'm really proud to have been a um, individual contributor, but have also led teams and really um, in the space of customer service, sales, uh, process improvement. I've worked in IT. I'm just I'm I'm like a jack of all trades here Um, in my current role. I uh, work on a process solutions team. uh, And this is where we um, enable execution of strategic initiatives um, by connecting and directing and contributing. Um, So uh, this could look like process improvement projects, introducing new concepts for problem solving, um, as well as leading initiatives to support the organizational goals. So I have the most fun um, when I'm able to introduce tools like experience canvases or uh, design thinking uh, for new ways to solve problems. That's awesome. And our path crossed and we realized in some some years back we were doing some design thinking uh, training together. And it's so, yeah, so good to sort of reconnect. Absolutely. Wow. You know, well, well, Ryan, go ahead. We're, your training class was an inspiration for me because all of the tools and techniques that I learned in that class, I was like, wait a minute. I do this. I just don't call it that. This is really cool. And so what it actually did was it um, really made me engage from a community perspective. And and I happen to find an organization right here in Richmond, Virginia, um, and I'm an organizer for the Richmond chapter of Open IDEO. Um, So Open IDEO, of course, is a design firm out of California, um, well known in the industry. But uh, the Richmond chapter, I work with a team of organizers and and we really are helping to solve social um, problems using some of this creativity. Um, And we work on different challenges that Open IDEO will present to us and we bring the community together. But we also find things within our local community to work on as well. So, you know, we've worked with nonprofits. We've even raised um, just last year at the beginning of the pandemic Um, you know, what is the impact of COVID on children and doing some design thinking or exploring around, um, you know, just those social issues that are impacting everybody's lives right now. That's awesome. And so, Eleanor, you often drop the open audio stuff for our listeners. I think it's just a wonderful way to transition. You know, I've been teaching at university or BCU and um, the year before last, I brought in nonprofits because I have a big belief that design thinking can help sort of nonprofits you know, maybe think differently. It's a great connection to students because students these days want to be more involved um, in the communities and those. And so it's heartening to know that locally there's an organization sort of connecting um, social good with using some of these modern sort of techniques and, and, and methods. Absolutely. It's a lot of fun as well. And it's that creative practice, right? That's so important mm-hmm. is to just to be able to really implement the tools that we learn along the way. Um, you know, I'm happy to also serve on um, a few boards, a uh, few nonprofit boards. And so it's really important for me to be able to use some of those tools and those skills to help 
different organizations in the Richmond community as well. So um, the Reed Center, I'm on the board for the Reed Center. Um, and, you know, I serve on their action teams. Um, mm -hmm. I'm really excited about the fact that um, for the first time in Reed's 25 year history, um, that organization is about to move into a building where all of their programming and staff and student and tutor volunteers will be able to operate out of one location. And so being able to bring in these tools of creative problem solving and project management and organization, um, you know, it's a really big deal. Well, that's awesome. So, so maybe give our um, listeners a sense and, and given that you have sort of this corporate sort of community feel, maybe give our, our, our listeners a sense of a problem or so that you're sort of working with in your corporate life and then also a problem that you're applying design thinking to in sort of the, the community. Can you give us sort of a, maybe a one of each kind of thing? Sure. Yeah, I'll try. Um, you'll have to remind me if I forget because I get excited about this stuff. So, um, <laughs> you know, really, I understand that there are multiple methods to solving problems. So, um, you know, I, I'd like to call it and I've heard other people call it, you know, use the tools that are in your toolbox. And so um, an example from a corporate space, you know, um, a lot of times when companies are growing or have grown to be these large organizations, we kind of lose sight of the dependencies that we might have with other teams that we work with uh, on a monthly basis or ever so often throughout our annual processes. And so um, one of the projects that I've recently been able to work on is something that we call Know Your Customer, but it really should be called Know Your Internal Customer because uh, it really is that evaluation of, well, how are our teams working with one another? How are we speaking with one another? What type of experience or, um, you know, potential issues might we be creating for one another throughout our processes? Because as team A might do things one way, not really realizing the impact on team B, who has a whole other set of deliverables and requirements around their processing. And so being able to bring together a, a cross-functional group of um, employees within the organization to design a framework around working better together um, and really using some of those concepts. So I mentioned experience design um, or an experience canvas um, a little bit earlier. And so, you know, really walking through, you know, what what do we think we're doing here? What problem are we trying to solve? And what are the motivators or, or the um, who is that customer that, you know, we're defining as customer and, and what are their motivators? What are they saying, thinking, feeling, doing, and really bringing in some of that um, acknowledgement around empathy and um, some of the, the struggles or concerns, pain points um, that those groups, that other group might be having. And then walking through um, a workshop designed around, you know, really just kind of getting to know each other, getting to know how each, uh, group works and then what having more detailed conversation about what are those dependencies and how do we create efficiencies and better ways of working. So from a corporate side, those are the types of things that are, you know, really exciting me. And then from a community side, um, you know, there's a, a, an organization that we connected with through um, Open IDEO where we were able to say, hey, um, this nonprofit, what, what are your concerns? What are your needs? And um, where would you like us to focus some of the skill sets that this that our group can bring to the table to help you? And so we landed around fundraising. Um, fundraising is, is one of those, you know, things all nonprofits stand to 
you know, engage on every so often to say, hey, are we um, engaging with the community? Are we, um, you know, are, are our donors aware of what we're doing? Do they know where their money is going? Um, and so we did some assumption mapping um, with that nonprofit. And, and really the problem statement there was, how do we get more people to understand our, our cause and um, how do we get them excited about donating to this uh, cause. And so we did some assumption mapping. We also um, were able to uh, partner with some students at VCU uh, to help walk through um, some ideas around fundraising and connecting. And so a lot of that had to do with um, surveying our networks to say, hey, how do you donate now? Um, would you donate to a certain cause? What are your feelings about a certain cause? Um, just to really do that discovery uh, and gather information, but then also walk that through to a tangible outcome uh, for that nonprofit that we were working with, um, you know, for, to have, to give them something to take back and start to implement potentially. So all fun stuff, all, you know, just really using, making use of those um, skills and, and concepts and tools um, that are creative and, and really stand to help help out. Yeah, as you were talking, I was going through our empathy mapping worksheet. Uh, <laughs> you, you, you sort of hit it off. And it's funny, empathy mapping, as you alluded to, it's a, it's a great exercise to work with teams, especially ones that are often think, well, it's that team over there that's this. And, and so um, I'm sure like you figured out, you know, empathy mapping is a great exercise that can help to sort of break down some of those barriers or assumptions that you think, especially with organizations um, right. that have built up these sort of silos, if you will. Um, right. And it's amazing. Like we, we just don't take the time always to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. We, um, you know, it's, it's easier to say, no, I need it now. And it's got to be done this way without considering some of the other variables. Um, and so empathy mapping is a way to really take a step back and, um, you know, create some efficiencies and in, in a way that is human centered. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're getting them all in that. But let me ask you, the, the, the open IDEO um, um, chapter here in Richmond, what sort of skill sets? Is it, I mean, obviously you, you bring a certain skill set. Who are the other members? Are they, are they more designers or engineers or just all over the board? What are the other types of skills that you guys bring to the table? Absolutely. All over the board. So um, we have a, a business owner who is also a coach and a mentor. Um, she is, her name is Holly Chasen Young, and she is uh, the founder and chief troublemaker of Wonderbolt Labs uh, here in Richmond, Virginia. Awesome. We also have Shannon Eastwood, who is a part of um, Mobilux. She's a strategy director at Mobilux. And so just really bringing in, um, you know, those different skills. Alan Ireland uh, is also on the team, as well as um, from time to time, we have um, Aaron Forrester, who helps us out, and he was one of the uh, founders and original organizers. Um, and so just a, a very um, broad skill set, um, but all with the same kind of core interest of uh, designing for good. Nice. And so when you, you mentioned that, you know, you bring sort of the tools that you have as sort of a design thinker to it, right? And we all have our different tools we built up. Is there like an idea approach or like when you come in, I'm assuming problem framing is one of the earlier ones, but do you have sort of approach that you go by, like what to do when, or do you kind of go with getting feedback from the people in the room and then kind of figure out how to go? Walk, walk us through how you go about sort of your kind of approach to problem solving. 
Sure. Yeah. We so my approach or open ideos approach because that can be uh, <laughs> that can vary. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want I I the ideo approach, or I'm more interested sure, in, the, sure. in the ideo approach. Yeah. Sure. I, I would I would say that you know um, for me you know I definitely think about people first. So who are who are the um, people that need to be involved, informed? Um, you know who's the decision maker, um, and then get to the core of that problem. So there's some some interviewing and some kind of that discovery phase um, as we, you know, really engage on a, pro a problem. And so then there is that problem definition that helps us get to that point. So really defining and understanding what problem we're trying to solve. I like to use um, a phrase that I heard from, um, I believe it was Brene Brown, my play cousin, Brene Brown. Um, she She says, paint done for me. All right. So I like I really do like to in problem solving, get a, an idea of what's done mean to you um, as we go through this process. Um, and then I really enjoy the ideation and the prototype phase of things. I, I'm a natural ideas person. And so as, once we define that problem, uh, we're all in agreement. We understand who all the players are um, really just trying to um, you know, open up the, the brainstorming and the ideation around how to solve this problem. Um, you know, many, many, many ideas and then narrowing that down to kind of that core um, set of work. Uh, and then, of course, building building on some prototyping and, and doing some work, some yes and what if it did this? Mm -hmm. Yes. And something else, you know, so um, I really enjoyed that aspect um, as we're working, you know, through open IDEO, as we're working through um, just some of the the core social issues that we talk about. Um, I've learned so much um, even about you know, my steps in that process, because it's all variable, depending on what type of problem you're trying to solve. Um, you know, there there are different ways to um, approach. I am a, um, I, I served as a business analyst for a really long time. So um, I kind of got into that phase where I could get really analytical about things. Um, and, and so just this design thinking process has helped kind of open me up and, and, and broaden my approach to problem solving. But, you know, that that business analysis, that's important, too. That aspect of it is really important, too. Um, I also like uh, to think about the process that really for the way that I think um, and I tend to end up in these kind of process type roles. Um, but the way that I think is really, you know, what is the current process from beginning to end? What are the steps that are being taken? Um, you know, what does what does that process look like? Um, because that really helps me get a visual on where maybe some pain points might be or where some changes might be that we might need to address. Yeah, if you're doing that, do you ever pull the tools like value stream mapping or the more kind yes. of lean oriented sort of process tools? Are those part of sort of your tool belt, if you will? From time to time, yes, they're in my toolbox. Yes, Ryan. <laughs> <That's what laughs> my you toolbox is heavy, Ryan. I know you got you, you're going to have a rolling cabinet uh, here in, in, in a second. Uh, so uh, you know it's funny you mentioned sort of the ideation. I think I'm teaching at VC right now, and I always like this is the fun part, right? But but the discovery sometimes like eating your vegetables, right? You, you know it, it it's good for you, and and but you know when we finally get to the um you know sort of the brainstorm, that's usually where people are like you know it's exciting, you know yeah you know, part of it. But I've learned over time, I think you as it's like. You know, just walking in there and saying day one, what does everyone want to do? 
Like you're just mm-hmm. going to be all over the place. And so doing that discovery sort of properly sort of setting up is the problem. We get some empathy who we focused on really is a, is, a, is a key driver to making sure that you start to brainstorm, you know, it's within some sort of constraints and, and it's focused right. in the area that isn't just like, hey, day one, what do we want to do? Well, let me ask you. And also, I've noticed um, some analysts can make the jump to design thinker, right? It's, it requires you to separate out from some of the really nitty gritty detail, which has been a, perhaps been a part of your background. How are you able to, but you still need to be able to get to the details at times too, because details matter, right? You can't, you can't just brush over them, right? How have you managed to sort of really understand the details, but then sort of elevate or step back and see some of the, the bigger sort of things and more of a human-centered approach. I mean, what's been some of your evolution to, to, to get from, from here to there? You know, as you were talking, I was like, the sheer grace of, <laughs> it's like, you know, that's a really good question. I think it, it is just kind of building that muscle around knowing when to um, apply pressure, you know, or knowing when to, um, take that broader, more strategic look or view at things, um, and then really understanding um, when to get into the details. Like there are there are certain problems that kind of require you to go there, like maybe more data or analytical type problems that really require that that detailed approach and that detailed um, attention. Um, and so, you know, I I. I think it, it's just building that muscle and really kind of understanding, well, what type of problem am I dealing with right now? Um, and I don't know that I've always done that the right way. And I think that's important to say, you know, I think um, it, it's a, it, it's you play it by ear um, and, and you, you have to be flexible enough to be able to, you know, adapt or redirect when you need to. Yeah, I mean, you learn by doing, right? You know, I look back at things I did early in my career, and sometimes I cringe, and sometimes I'm like, okay, it wasn't bad for what I knew then. Right. You know, it wasn't so bad. So, you know, you mentioned the IDEO and the uh, IDEO as being a presumed influence. Like, who are some of your other influencers that have influenced sort of your thinking or, or, or your focus? Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's a uh, Women's History Month, and um, I would say all the beautiful, complex, fierce, humble, complicated, determined human women in my life, um, I refuse to miss this opportunity to recognize my mother for her tenacity and her faith and her love. But I'm also fortunate to have a bonus mom whose love for me is just so evident and and so real. And so these two women have taught me so much. Um, There are so many women that I could name, uh, including colleagues and um, people that I've met along the way and just for their their friendship and their guidance. Um, And I hope I do a really good job acknowledging them in person, I would say, pre-pandemic, that would look like, you know, a huge hug from me. But, um, you know, now it's more like a phone call or a text. Uh, But just, you know, just really influenced by uh, their strength and and like humanity, Um, being able to say, you know what, this isn't working for me or I'm having a problem or I'm confused and being able to have someone say, yeah, I am too. Um, and I, I hope I'm that for for some others as well. I would say I really appreciate um, a few people in in the design space. Um, there's a woman named Leslie Ann Noel. Um, she's a PhD, an associate director 
um, for design thinking and social impact um, oh. at Tulane University. Okay. Um, and she designed a deck of cards. I was introduced to this deck of cards by a colleague in, in Open IDEO, um, but it's called the Critical Alphabet. Um, and I, I'm influenced by her because I, I feel like she is bringing to the forefront um, a conversation in design. And I'm sure she's not the only one, but I've been following her since I was introduced to this deck of cards. Um, uh, but really just bringing to the forefront um, questions and things to think about in the design process uh, that include diversity, um, critical awareness and uh, around identity and inclusivity. Uh, it, it, it's just so important and um, it, I'm really inspired by her. So I've been following many of the webinars and things like that that she's um, been involved in. Well, nice. It, it, it is interesting. I've seen as we've seen a, a shift in the past six to 12 months. And now, you know, to me, design thinking is the perfect place to introduce some of these ideas yeah. around maybe things that we should have been thinking all along, but we shouldn't. But design yeah. thinking, I think, can can bring it more of like, no, no, we need to be top of mind and think about how we solve for these. And are these outcomes we want to achieve? Are these constraints right. we're, we're working within? Um, but no, it is heartening to see that as, as we make progress on, on, on multiple fronts, it's interesting to me how design thinking and the way you described about it is now making room for things um, right. that historically maybe, especially if we're in the corporate world, we'd you know, okay, we're corporate world. I'm not going to mention these things. I think now what I feel like is there's a lot more openness to now we are going to talk about these things in, right. in, in a corporate world and bring them to the table. So, and we need to. Um, I, there yeah. was a conference. I don't remember the name of the conference, um, but the the woman that was presenting at that conference talked about, you know, simple designs around um, hand soap dispensers and how um, with her melanated skin, you know, the the hand dispenser, the soap dispenser wouldn't work for her each time because it, it just was not considered as part of the design. You know, that was many years ago, but still just that example of around why it's so important to consider um, inclusivity and identity and, and, you know, all of the things that come along with design. And that could be a product design or a process design mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, uh, any, any type of design that you're, you're working towards. Well, what, what topics are uh, top of mind? So you're, you're doing this in, in the corporate world. You're doing this as a leader in the community world. Like you've mentioned um, um, some of the techniques, but what, what sort of topics or trends or things are you thinking from your perspective? Hey, this is maybe going to be, you know, more important or, or what are those things you're kind of geeking out and studying on that you think I'm going to work on this because I think there's going to be something out there. That is a really great question. And um, I'm smiling because um, it just kind of all fits. So the thing that I've been really interested in um, lately is around experience um, okay. from a corporate standpoint um, and, and experience design. So like talent experience and, um, you know, mm -hmm. those related processes, like how do corporations attract talent? Um, what are the, what are the processes and techniques that are being used? How are we how are we evaluating um, that? you know, our processes are, are fair and inclusive. Um, so I'm really interested in that space. And I think it comes from um, just working with different colleges and universities, um, working with students and, and engaging 
uh, with students on um, transferable skills and, um, you know, just building up that skill set as they make that journey into uh, whether it be their own business, corporate America or working with corporate America, you know, what are what is what does that experience pipeline look like? Um, and so that could be recruiting, that could be onboarding, that could be, you know, career pathing and growth. I think, like I said, I'm a, a process person. And so I think visually about these things. And so what does that look like from the time someone you know, you have that first engagement with someone who's a potential employee all the way through to what maybe when that employee hopefully retires because they want to stay with you their entire career uh, or until they grow and maybe exit to go to a different company or start their own company, um, you know, what does that look like and how do we make sure, how can we use design thinking even to um, make sure that that experience is one that's unforgettable and that they want to tell their friends about. Um, so that's really interesting. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, you know, you used an interesting word design, you're you know, like talent design. I think that's intriguing because it's, you know, on the one hand, it's a recruiting process, right? On the other hand, it's a talent design. And it's funny, they, they kind of maybe is similar, but what's in, what I pick up when you say talent design is we're trying to purposely design for a future where we've mm -hmm. thought more about, you know, inclusivity and other things as a part of getting talent and not simply the process of we look for roles, we put them on our website, we interview candidates, we, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It sounds like you're more being more intentional yeah, about absolutely. how you want to design them. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, just really thinking about, um, you know, how how we're attract, how and who we're attracting to our organizations. And and then with the pandemic and the quarantine and the changes and the ways that, you know, um, we're working, how does that fit into the picture and how does that fit into how we are attracting talent into an organization and um, really uh, including that talent and making sure that, you know, our, our processes align with, um, you know, the goals of the organization as well. Yeah, and it's, I, I've noticed even in our own organization, one is, you know, we're so far out of college that we think we know what it's like to be a student, but we really don't. I mean, let's just, let's just get that up, right? Right. So um, at least te me teaching college makes me realize every year how, how far away I am um, from them. But, but what it does, helps me understand is, you know, as opposed to a bunch of us sitting together and be like, we're going to design this one, pulling in the younger people who are going to be part of that process, or probably anybody, they don't have to be younger, but just pulling in different people can help us see things from sort of their vantage point versus all of us in corporate world sitting around, come up with some sort of a process. We're very blinded by, by some right. things. Right. And uh, I think that's, that's, that's what I've really enjoyed about thinking about working with with students is how do you get their ideas and perspectives? You know, these days it matters for students where they're going to go. They look at things like this. You know, it's you can't purely be a, they're happy to get a job. I'm sure they'll come here. Right. It's organizations right. have to be purposeful around designing and laying out these things because it isn't all about money and sort of position. It's like, you know, younger people are like, do I want to invest my time and energy to work with you? Do I believe in your values and where you're going? And that's been a big change, at least for me. And since I came into the workforce, that wasn't as much a top of mind, um, but it is now. Have you seen that yeah. in your career? I completely agree. I completely agree. There's that 
um, there's a, a sense of community, I think, that's important to create, um, to attract talent. Um, I, I work a lot with um, local and regional historically black colleges and universities, HBCUs, um, and really just kind of engaging with the student communities, but the faculty as well, just to kind of understand what that landscape looks like. So in a sense, I'm kind of doing discovery as I'm mm -hmm. also, you know, um, talking about maybe an organization I care about or a project that I care about, um, but really hearing from students and what their needs are and what their goals are, and then connecting how does that fit into maybe attracting a certain talent or, um, or modifying processes that um, are ensure, intentional, as you said, about um, attracting that talent. Can, can, without divulging too much detail, can you give me an example of that is a, is a part of you having maybe more students evolve? You came up with an insight or, or an idea that otherwise you wouldn't have come up with and it's folded back in. Do you have any examples uh, hmm. you can share? I think that, um, you know, maybe not, maybe not so much a new thing, right? But having the, the ability to connect with students on a different level. Um, and so I would say typically, you know, the the recruiting processes connect with a career fair, um, you know, attend the career fair, tell students about your company, um, you know, your your organization or, or and and then try to encourage them or influence them to apply to come see what your company is about. Well, you know, I think that works to a, a certain extent, especially if you are a recognizable name, um, maybe that works to a certain extent. But um, one, one of the, um, well, several of the conversations that I had with students led me to say, you know what, maybe we need to connect a, in a different way. Um, and why wouldn't we connect where students congregate or where students come together because they have a shared purpose or a shared, interest. And so let's connect in some of the student organizations. Let's connect in some of the diversity coalition organizations and just have conversations around, um, you know, what the future looks like, what the future might hold, where the interests lie, um, and, and then give the, the students the opportunity to kind of, you know, pick your brain and ask questions about uh, life in a certain position or, you know, projects in a certain position. Um, and that has, that has been um, not only fulfilling, <laughs> but um, it, it, it's been surprising to see the outcomes of that. But it's funny because you mentioned, I mean, as a design thinker, we're lifelong learners, right? You know, it's like we always learn as much, for example, students as we sort of give back. And it reminds me, you know, to ask, ask you around, what are those some of those lessons, maybe some of those key kind of lessons that you've learned along the way? Those little nuggets of, of, of knowledge that you'd love to pass on uh, to our audience. I would say um, confidence. Um, and and using my voice, I would I can think back to a time in, in my career where maybe I wasn't um, as uh, direct or as willing to speak up about things, uh, observations or ideas. Um, and so just really having that confidence or that respect for my own ability to bring perspective and potentially a different approach to, to problem solving. Um, 
So, you know, I think I've throughout my career kind of had different levels of confidence when it comes to that. Um, but, you know, using my voice now is just a thing that, you know, it, it's second nature to me now. Um, but I would definitely say for those coming into uh, a new role or coming into a new organization, talk about your perspective, talk about, uh, you know, your observations or, or ideas for um, making things better or doing things differently. Um, it's, imp it's important to have a variety uh, of perspectives and a variety of, of viewpoints um, shared. Now, I would agree. And, you know, early in my career was often whoever the most senior person in charge would make a decision and all of you downstream would just go go do it. You didn't have any influence per se in that. And one of the things I love when we do sort of um, divergent thinking, you know, as exercise in classes, it democratizes uh, the, the ideas, right? It's not so much about who's the most respected or who's the highest position or who's been here the longest or who has most credentials. Every idea is on its face equal, right? And, and the better ideas build upon that one. And I think you know, like you, I work with organizations where sometimes people are really vocal and they take over and other people sort of quiet and they hang back. But if you give them an outlet, some of those quiet people often have some really great ideas. But for whatever reason, they're introverted or they're new to the organization or they're shy. They just don't sometimes feel like they can sort of, you know, step up or, or speak up, if you will. Um, yeah, diversity of thought, uh, diversity of ways of communicating is so important as well. And so, like, as a, a trained facilitator, you know, there's a, a way to kind of draw that information out of maybe that introvert um, in, in, in creating that that safe space in order to yeah. do that as well. I think um, psychological safety is, is such an important concept when it comes to um, the it, the employee experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so funny you mentioned the whole thing, a separate thing on psychological safety. I've been reading some technical stuff around. There's a lot, um, you're, you're, you're using the same term, but differently, psychological safety meaning, can I make a change to the system or not? And if it blows up, am I going to get blamed? Right. Or not, right? And so right. The people have to feel like they're in a safe environment because otherwise nobody wants to make any changes to any software for fear that something goes wrong. So there's, I know for engineers, there has to be a little bit of psychological safety in the systems you're working with, because otherwise you're afraid to, to do anything because somebody might sort of come back and retaliate. Right. Uh, in a negative way on. So, all right. I've really enjoyed our conversation, but I have one last one for you. What do you listen to these days? You know, so, um, I know that typically the response has something to do with music and I do listen to music. Um, I'm a nineties R and B uh, person. So I, I'm, I enjoy um, old music, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I really listen to, if I have my headphones in, you can almost guarantee that I'm listening to a book. Uh, and so the book that I uh, am kind of right at the end of right now is is called When They Call You a Terrorist. Um, and it's by uh, Patrice Colors. And I might be pronouncing her name um, incorrectly, but it is um, the women who founded Black Lives Matter, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and it really is a, a story and insight into um, some of the experiences and some of the uh, situations that led up to the founding of that Black Lives Matter movement and how um, globally it took off. Um, and so I think um, I, it was a 
the reason I wanted to read the book is because, you know, when you watch the news or um, when you hear certain reports, you hear about how this organization is, you know, there, there's maybe some negative connotation around the organization, how it started. Um, but after reading the book, I fully, I understood before, but I fully understand now the catalyst behind um, the the creation of the organization, the movement itself. Uh, and it's just a really great book. And I always like to share books like that because I think that um, in taking <laughs> different perspectives about certain topics, um, it really creates conversation, it creates dialogue, um, it might change some folks' minds um, or it, you know, or not. But I think it's important to, you know, just consider other perspectives and, and to really um, hear from from people who are intimately involved. And so it was a it's a really great book. I like I said, I have like maybe a chapter left to go, but I've been recommending that one lately. So awesome. so well, no music for me. That's all right. No worries. No worries. I did ask what he listened to, so it's all all good. And Eleanor will drop that link. It's 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 very interesting. at first when you explained the title, I was like, hmm, but then it, it made a whole lot of sense once you got yeah. into it. And uh but that's awesome, right? We're, we're not just all thinking about things that we can do better. I think, to your point, empathy is about really understanding others. And if you don't spend the time to do that one, you're just glossing it over. And that's been, you know, I've learned in, in, in my experience that empathy is something that's come harder for me. I don't know whether it's my personality or what, but I've had to learn. Like, I know it's important, but I have to work harder self personally to get the empathy. Whereas I've seen other team members, it just comes more naturally. They just sort of like... You know, you know, get it. And it's it, as me, as I've grown in my career, it's something I've learned to um, slow down, pay more attention, spend more time there. Um, mm -hmm. As a stereotypical engineer, I like I always want to rush and go uh, build things and stuff. But I, I think you're right. I think expanding um, your your who you're thinking about, expanding what empathy means for different people is going to allow you to sort of come up with a better solution eventually, but it's, if anything else, it makes you a better person and then and a, and a more, you know, more well-rounded, an overused term these days, but a better person, I, I think is really what it comes down to. Yeah, I think it creates richer experiences and, um, you know, it just makes life a little bit fuller. Um, empathy is, is um, you know, I don't know, maybe when I was in my 20s, I didn't really care about other how other people felt or, you know, what was going on or what, you know, what was what was the reason behind a certain thing from an empathy standpoint. Um, but I, I think that, you know, just kind of having experiences, living life, engaging with different people throughout my career, throughout the community, um, it, it really has. Um, and especially now within the past year, um, you know, it, it really is at the forefront of my mind um, and it it helps me, um, you know, be a little bit more creative as well. Um, I don't, I don't know quite how to explain that, but I do feel like it um, just keeping empathy at the forefront of decision making um, is, is fulfilled that creative bug for me um, in a way. That's awesome. I right, thanks so much for coming on the program. It's so good to reconnect and see you again. Of and course. Uh, good to see you. All right. Well, have a great day and uh, we'll take care.